0: been called Revenue Week in the Nebraska legislature. With the state currently running a surplus, senators have debated and advanced several proposals to make changes to the state's tax policies, including a phase-out of taxes on Social Security income and the first reduction in Nebraska's corporate income tax since the 1980s. In the weeks ahead, senators will use the recent projections of Nebraska's Economic Forecasting Advisory Board to tweak how those bills will fit into the state budget they've already adopted. You're listening to The Full Platter, the official podcast of the Platt Institute. I'm Jim Vocal, joined by the Platt Institute Policy Director, Sarah Curry. Sarah, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: As we're recording this, Sarah, you've literally just returned from the April meeting of the Nebraska Economic Forecasting Advisory Board. I think it would be good if you would share with listeners what this board is, how it impacts the legislative process, and what the board thinks is likely to happen in the near future in Nebraska.
1: Yeah, well, this board is made up of appointed people from all across the state. Some are appointed by the legislature and some are appointed by the governor. And what they do is they get together every so often during the year and they look at projections. And they talk to the uh, experts from the Department of Revenue and from the Legislative Fiscal Office. And they look and they try to make predictions on where they think the state's revenue picture is going to go. And so this is a very special meeting because they only meet in April every other year. Normally, it's just October and February. And so they meet this year because of the budget. Uh, Nebraska has what's called a biennial or a two-year budget. So when the legislature passes and the governor signs the budget, it lasts for two years. They will come back next year, but they're just going to make small adjustments. And so this year, it's very, very important to make sure that our revenue picture meets the spending plan for the state. And we have really good news, actually, coming out of the forecast meeting. They have increased the state's forecast estimate by $9 million, or $90 million, which is about an 8% increase. Um, And so they they decided that the personal income tax and the corporate income tax were going to be increased from their previous forecast, which I think really helps lawmakers as they go into these final weeks of session, because they've been talking about needing the available revenue to make some changes. And now they have a very clear picture that it didn't go down. It actually went up.
0: Appreciate that, Sarah. As, as you know, senators are grappling with what are known as the fiscal notes for different tax proposals, and that's the estimated cost of the bill. As lawmakers move ahead with different amendments, the legislative fiscal office will issue new estimates of the price tag. One of the big ones is the proposal to phase out state income taxes on Social Security income. Now, politically, voting for that is a slam dunk, and we saw that with 47 senators voting for that on first round but the bill is almost certainly going to be pared down in some way so that the centers can get more done with the funds that they have available. So Sarah, what are some of the economic considerations and trade-offs involved in this part of the tax debate?
1: Well, that's a really good point because anytime you debate a bill that costs money or essentially takes revenue to, to use, and in this case, we're reducing tax collections, so that is an adjustment to available revenue. Um, You have choices to make. The state is also investing in a new state prison. So that's an expense. And I'm just using that as an example. If you cut a tax on one side, but then you're increasing spending on the other, everything has to balance. And so we're looking at all of those different economic considerations when we look at how much can we cut taxes, how much can we spend. And then also looking at what type of taxes you're going to cut. So social security is one of those types of taxes where it tends to retain retirees in your state, which is a good thing because people will stay in Nebraska. They will spend their money. They will essentially die here because they're going to be, you know, live out their last days here. And that is positive from a revenue generating standpoint. And so those are economic considerations associated with that tax. Um, And so really, that's what the fiscal notes do. They bring those types of things up so the lawmakers can discuss them and really see that whole picture when they're making spending or tax cut or revenue decisions.
0: So the politics of cutting taxes on Social Security are easy. Even groups that traditionally favor higher taxes see that as an easy win. But there's a lot of more waiting under the hood in Nebraska from our business tax structure to our sales tax exemptions, Sarah, why do you think that so many tax reforms that economists and tax policy experts, including the Platt Institute, see as worthwhile are not as well understood or received by taxpayers and policymakers?
1: Well, first of all, tax policy is an extremely complex topic. And so a lot of people bring with them their emotional or personal experiences. I was listening to the debate on um, reducing the corporate income tax and One senator tied it to the cost of tuition at the University of Nebraska. And he said, well, if we cut the corporate taxes, then we're going to have to raise tuition rates. Well, no one has ever made that connection or claim. and, And that's never really been brought up before. And it wasn't brought up at the hearing on that bill. But that's what emotionally concerned him during the debate. And those types of things are what we see influencing senators' decisions more so than empirical data or other examples from states that have done the similar type of policies. And so it's very, very difficult in sometimes to explain these things to senators and get them to understand what the research says or what the economic implications are, because there are so many emotions flying around.
0: Yeah, so let's look at one of those hard areas for reform. Uh, Our Department of Revenue historical records show that Nebraska has raised its top corporate tax rate on a number of occasions over the past 30 or 40 years. Only 14 states now have a higher tax rate, and many states have gone in the opposite direction as Nebraska, dramatically improving their overall business tax climate. Now, in Revenue Week, lawmakers have tentatively moved ahead with a modest reduction in the top corporate tax rate. But Sarah, there's still a lot to be debated. What are some of the issues lawmakers need to iron out before that final passage?
1: Well, one of the issues they have to iron out is how much money are they going to spend? Um, And and that was a big discussion point. I remember them saying we have to wait until we have the revenue forecasting meeting to see how much money we have before we can just cut all these taxes and spend all these new programs. So to a point, that's going to help us because we we have more money. The, the forecast is very optimistic and positive, but again, there's just all of these decisions that have to be made and we're, we're cutting social security tax and everyone was on board with that, but cutting the corporate income tax, while it makes sense from a competitive standpoint and from an economic standpoint, um, it is a political point and, and not everybody wants to make that same decision. So I think we're still going to see some changes in the future. Um, Obviously, a lot of the changes going on at the federal level have made impacts to Nebraska's revenue picture here. And so all of those things have to be taken into account.
0: And this this bill would create parity between the corporate tax rate and the individual rate over time. Correct, Sarah?
1: That's right, um, you know, when we talk about tax policy, we look at how these taxes affect people. And so it makes really good sense from an economic standpoint to lower the corporate income tax rate to match the personal income tax rate. And the reason why is because we've talked about this before, a lot of your small businesses file through the personal income tax. But the corporate income tax, you're not actually taxing people, you're taxing like a legal entity. And what they do is they just pass those costs on to the consumers. So Ultimately, you're just taxing random everyday people, which is not really what we want to do. And we want to make it fair. So if you're filing as an S corporation, you have the same tax rate as a C corporation. And right now in Nebraska, that's very different. So this is a simplicity um, principle in taxation, which we support. And it just really helps align us with the tax policy that our neighboring states and other states across the country have already adopted.
0: All right. Another bill, a tax bill that's moving forward is LB 644, the truth in taxation proposal by Senator Ben Hansen. Some adjustments had to be made with that bill, too, but it's now been advanced through the second round and seems on its way to final passage. Can you give listeners an update on what's changed and what it will mean for taxpayers next year?
1: Sure. Um, so the truth in taxation bill is really just what it says, or it's a, really a direct notification that your property taxes are going up. So how many times do you get your new assessment in the mail and it goes up and then you wait and then you see your new tax bill and you're like, oh, why are the taxes up so high? I wish I could tell my county board member or my city council member that I don't like this. Well, that's exactly what this bill would do. It would notify you of a special hearing where you can go and express those concerns and ask them, why are you raising my property taxes? Um, And so originally, when this bill was passed a few years ago, the notice was just put in the newspaper. And a lot of people don't get the newspaper anymore, or they just don't have time to read it from cover to cover. So the introduction of having a postcard sent to everyone was included. um, But then some senators say, well, some people still do read the newspaper, so let's leave it in the newspaper too. So that's that's a change. And then another change is that, The way the bill is written is that if property taxes go up a dollar, like at all, they have to hold the hearing. Well, some lawmakers are saying, well, why don't we just put a threshold on it? Why don't we say it can go up 2% plus new construction, new growth, and if it's over that, then you have to have the hearing. And we just have to follow this through because anytime you put a cap on something or anytime you put a limitation on something, uh, there's always implementation questions that arise. And so the Plaid Institute is gonna be following this very, very closely with its bill sponsor to make sure that that is implemented appropriately and that it's carried out across the state.
0: All right, well, before I let you go, uh, there was a lot of discussion this week about Nebraska needing to look more comprehensively not only at tax reform, but actually at the structure of education funding in the state. A number of lawmakers expressed frustrations that piecemeal tax policy bills were working around the edges of a much larger problem that remains unaddressed. You've been tracking this issue in the Revenue Committee, which would ultimately decide how we pay for schools in Nebraska. What do you think needs to happen to make headway in that area?
1: Well, I will say all the bills that were introduced in the Revenue Committee on this topic got a very, very healthy debate. Um, I don't know if any of them will actually come to fruition and become law, but I think it started something that's not going to slow down. And that's a discussion, like you said, about how we fund education in Nebraska. Now, some people might be saying, well, property taxes are high. Why do we care about the way we fund education? And that's because the two are tied together. About 60% of the property taxes go to the local schools uh, in Nebraska. And so, how the state funds public education is Part of that funding formula. And so, if we can change that and we can change how the student allocation of funds is made, then we might be able to find a way to truly reduce property taxes. Um, Right now, we have a bunch of credits and a bunch of relief programs but they don't fundamentally reduce property taxes. And it's actually not changing how we fund schools. And I know that there are some schools in the Western part of the state that aren't getting a lot of state aid as compared to some of our Eastern areas. And so taking a really good hard look at how we fund education in Nebraska, looking at more funding equity for all students across the state, I think has a lot of benefits. It benefits our schools and it also benefits property taxpayers. And so I hope that moves forward. There's a lot of debate and a lot of questions going on. Uh, The Platt Institute is following it very, very closely. I'm not sure where it will end up, but I think we will see something resulting from that because enough senators um, from all different political spectrums are asking questions about this.
0: This has been a great discussion, Sarah. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it.
0: And thank you for listening. You can find more analysis from Sarah about tax policy in Nebraska on the Full Platter blog at plattinstitute.org. If you like our work, you can also make a donation to help fund our research and advocacy. Or you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter where I keep you posted about today's most important issues facing Nebraskans. Join us again next time as we continue our mission to remove economic barriers and make Nebraskans proud.